Hi, welcome to Heartland Startups. I'm your host, Johnny Whitfield. In this episode, I interview Andy, the founder of Whiskey Business. She has an e-commerce site, whiskeyinkandlace.com, where you can find a lot of awesome products. Andy talks about being a serial entrepreneur, starting a retail business that moved across the country twice, and the challenges of scaling a rapidly growing business. We cover a lot of ground fairly quickly, so I hope you're ready to listen. I really enjoyed talking with Andy, and I think you'll get a lot out of this chat. This episode is brought to you by Electric Growth. If you're just starting a business, Electric Growth will help you track and understand your data so you can grow your business faster. Without further ado, I give you Episode 7 of Heartland Startups. Welcome to Heartland Startups, Episode 7. I've got Andy, the founder of Whiskey Business, with me today. Welcome, Andy. Hi. Nice to be here. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for joining the show. Um, really glad that we connected uh, through, the, through the Entrepreneur Center in Nashville. Um, so, and had a great time, obviously, talking with you last week. Um, why don't you tell, tell everybody what whiskey business is? So we, we kind of mark ourselves as an artisan manufacturing company. We make lots of products. Our main brand is Whiskey Ink and Lace, and the main product line with Whiskey Ink and Lace is uh, our men, men's grooming product line. And so we do, like, you know, the new hot thing is beard oils, and we, we specialize in beard care and things like that. But we also have stuff for wet shavers, and we also have tons of things for women, like um, face creams and whatnot made from coffee and fun things like that uh we've got whiskey wicks uh another of our brands that uh those are our candles they are woodwick candles made from vegan soy wax all of our products are vegan we have a bunch of other product lines but we're basically makers wow that was rapid fire uh so e-commerce people can buy your really cool products online right where should they go uh, so whiskeyinkandlace.com is the the main hub for a lot of things, actually. We sell a lot of our other brands on whiskeyinkandlace.com. Uh, that's a hard one to spell, too. Uh, it's trying to tell people over the phone or, like, over a right. podcast how to get there. <laughs> uh, but it's whiskey with an E and ink with a K and lace.com. And so we, we do our loose leaf teas there, our candles and everything. Our sports line is there as well. Um, so, yeah. Very cool. So, I mean, obviously, with the rise in hipster population, the <laughs> rise in need for uh, beard oil has gone up exponentially, I would exponentially. think. Exponentially. Uh, what's interesting, though, is not all of our customers are what I would designate as hipsters. We have a large following of, um, I, I mean, hunters and, yeah. like, <laughs> backwoods types yeah, and, you know, everything sense. in between. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense. Um, so... You got into all of this. This is your first e-commerce, right? Yeah, it is. Um, How has that transition been, and and what lessons have you learned so far? So I, I went from going. I've, I'm kind of a serial entrepreneur by definition. I had a whole bunch of service businesses that I ran off and on over the years. So this was my first dive into e-commerce, and that's kind of how it came about. Is I was like, ah, it'd be cool if I actually like ran a small business that did retail because I've, I've always done marketing for people who did that and whatnot, and I made e-commerce sites for them through my web design business, so that was 
fun, but uh, dove into this and learned that it's a lot more than just selling a product online. Uh, the biggest, I guess, transition from service to retail has been uh, learning production and how to scale production with sales because with all my experience with marketing, getting our brand out there and getting a brand created that people recognize and identify with was no problem. And then the sales started pouring in and keeping up with that was quite the monster and like production and then scaling production, creating the systems. It's been quite an interesting journey. Yeah, you uh, mentioned systems. Uh, I remember from our talk, systems was a big thing and, and you've learned a lot through operating businesses through systems. Um, can you expand on that? Totally. So, I mean, with service businesses and a lot of my businesses were basically quote unquote businesses, they were freelancing to some degree. I was a contractor and I would subcontract to other people and whatnot and work on, you know, web design and graphic design. But the, you don't need, you need basic systems. Like I've used the agile method and whatnot for doing build outs of different things, but it's totally different than learning how to get a product from just the idea and conception to actually being made and then tracking the inventory of that and then distribution it's been it's been quite the the ride learning all the systems and realizing that um as we grew because we grew so fast too and i know that this is a very common problem with other entrepreneurs uh, i've talked to a lot of them and also i've had a coach that was like yeah this is everybody's issue is the business grows so fast and all the systems are in my head like i know how we get the product from idea and conception to like in the customer's hands that's no problem but you know as you hire and you have you know five six employees and you have to tell them how to get the product made and then into the customer's hands it becomes a whole different ball game and i quickly learned that the more i had written down like every little step from the minute you know they walk in like what is it they do how do they do it and then how do they track what they did and then how do we report what they did uh, it's really important it sounds really tedious and i know a lot of entrepreneurs hate the idea and you know systems you know, the idea of systems is like a i don't know it's kind of stigmatized people don't love it and it's it's tedious to get everything down on paper or in our case google docs is where we create all of our systems and whatnot but it helps like right now uh we've hired our first marketing coordinator it's been I, i've hired out uh, different parts of our marketing in the past but this is the first time I'm actually handing off all of our marketing and so like just today we sat down and we're like okay we have to create a new system for what each post we post like what that looks like because previously like I've been posting and I had a social media person that was helping me post and we had we had a system but it wasn't written down and so I was like all right and I sat down with my marketing coordinator Polly and I was like all right Polly we have to have like a CTA at, every time we have to figure out like what that is we have to have a link that they can click we have to have you know some reason that they're paying attention to this picture or whatever that we're posting and so I was like let's just write down like you know a system for what how we're gonna post these things so that next time like we know what we're doing and then we can just get into the rhythm of things and then the beauty of it is uh, she and I are kind of working towards eventually having other people hired and brought on and working under her and so the idea is we can just put them into the system and then they'll know how to post for us and how to continue to create our brand over and over again without you know any missteps or making it suddenly feel like it's a different person behind the brand you know definitely it seems like um, systems make your business scalable yeah which really helps it's you know I'm a big fan of the idea of I, I don't I've no people ask me all the time like do you plan to sell your business and it's not a goal it wasn't a goal when I got into this I know a lot of entrepreneurs these days like they build 
a business just to sell as quickly as possible but like this was my baby and it still is but I totally believe in the idea of building your business to sell with the idea of creating it so that it doesn't need you I think it was um it might have been walk away wealthy one of the books I read or it might have been built to sell or it might have been the e-myth I read a lot of books but (laughs) right uh these books they talked about um you want to be able to build a a business that oh it was the e-myth you want to build a business that needs you to grow but doesn't need you to operate and so you know if if it needs you if you are gone for like two weeks the business needs to still keep going and so that's what the systems are there for and so it doesn't need you to operate day to day and that's super important it's super important to sell your business but it's also super important to be op like um profitable if I was necessary in every day-to-day operation, constantly telling everybody how to do everything step by step, my God, we wouldn't be anywhere near where we're at today. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to if you spend all of your time in a business um, like micromanaging because you basically have to keep doing the process yourself. Then you you can't grow the business. Right. So. Um, is this company, this version at least of, of the company, this is the first time you dealt with uh, hiring a lot of people to, to do a lot of work, right? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I, I did it with one of my other businesses. My service business I ran, uh, I would hire bartenders to bartend private parties for me. And that like was still like contracting. And I thought I had a good handle on this. In my skateboard magazine, I kind of quote-unquote hired people. But my God, it's it's totally different when you've got something that you feel has longevity to it and you're trying to get these people to believe in your brand and it's your baby and getting them like behind the idea is it's a lot of work like people are you know you you hear businesses creating cults out of their employees and stuff and like this culture that's like really all you know all the employees are super into the idea and it's a strong culture but that, that takes years to create and cultivate and it takes a lot of being able to understand, I mean, people in general, first of all, and having the social, I guess, graces to be able to deal with employees, it's it's a lot different than just dealing with human beings. They're not your friends. Uh, you, they, you can be friends, but they're not your, like, buddy-buddy friends, and so it's, you got to find out how you get them to like you, enough to believe in the business, but not too much so that they don't do that work, and then you can, like, you know, have um, uh, one of my mentors, his favorite thing was like, you need discipline so that you don't have to implement punishment. So finding that kind of uh, system where you're implementing consistent, structured, quote unquote, discipline so that you don't have to go back and punish these people is a whole nother deal too. So um, it's, it's been interesting, that's for sure. Yeah, that's, uh, that's probably a, a lesson many an entrepreneur has learned the hard way. Yeah about uh, having friends and then or becoming too good of friends with employees as they if they started as employees first and then just having to navigate that minefield of a relationship um, that can be uh, quite daunting to Mm -hmm. say the least Um, so you you've mentioned a bunch of different businesses you've had Um, what was your first one and what got you the the drive the desire to start your own business uh so my first business was when i was 16 technically uh i began 
creating websites for other people and taking like a check here, check there, or like some kind of form of payment when I was like 10 or 12 or something. Uh, but it wasn't until I was 16 that I actually, my grandma was like, you should have a business. And of all people, like my grandma told me that. And I was like, what does that mean? I was like, I'm 16. And she was like, oh, you just go to your city and get a business license. So I went down and for like 54 bucks, I had a business license and I was doing business as Andy's web design. And I was going around and I had, uh, I, I think at one point I had like 10 clients simultaneously while I was going to high school and also writing for my town's newspaper and uh, I think I was like an athlete of sorts doing lots of sports. So that was f fun in the beginning of learning how to juggle a lot of things. But I took on a bunch of clients and learned right away, like after failing on a few projects, that like, oh, business is a serious thing and I need to learn how to do this really well. And so the rest of, God, my life after that has been just a whole bunch of trying to figure out how to be better at what I'm doing because I had clients with expectations and I wanted to meet and exceed those. And so ever since then, it's just been this um, striving for figuring out how to do business best and that kind of led me to where I'm at now because I was constantly researching how to be a better marketer because that's what the web design business grew into. And I was uh, researching different aspects of marketing, how to do copywriting better, how to do, you know, build e-commerce sites better and everything. And so like fast forward eight years later and a ton of other businesses in between. Um, I, I was still running the marketing business and that was when I was like, you know, I'm doing all these e-commerce sites for my customers, my clients and everything. I was like, I, it, it'd be kind of cool to run my own e-commerce site just on the side. Like I do it all the time for them. If I just like put something together just to feel what it's like to have to market an e-commerce site, like from the business owner's perspective and learn it that way, I was like, I could probably market them better. Uh, so I started this uh, yeah. soap company, making soaps and selling soaps, and wow. now here we are. <laughs> that uh, that is amazing. I think you know you got a lot of experience in there crammed into, and you <laughs> juggling all those things as a high schooler. Most kids barely get through high school. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I actually didn't get through high school. I dropped out to go to college. So, and nice. then went on to do college and dropped out of that when I realized uh, college doesn't make much sense if you're an entrepreneur sometimes because uh, the prices are going up and yeah. the value of the education is getting lower and lower as we go so yes totally agree um, let's I mean while we're on it let's uh, dive into that a little bit so <laughs> I've some you know kids are think seeing all the you know obviously all the loans and the debt that they'd be going into but something that I thought was really interesting that we discussed a little bit uh, last week was the lack of experience in business from the business professors. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I could go on for so long about this. It really kind of depends on the school. Uh, but the majority of schools, professors probably went to college to become professors. Like, so many of them end up that way. And so I had, I was sitting at Long Beach State and I had a marketing professor who was teaching me out of a book. 
and I was I was reading the book and it was archaic. It was so old and like schools can't keep up with the way tech and marketing go like goes these days. The things that the trends in marketing and social media and SEO and all that it changes in a like blink of an eye. And so a book and a class can't keep up with that, and especially a professor who only learned from this book that they're teaching from, for heaven's sake. And so I, I finally was like, this is this is insane. Like I was trying to like mentor some kids in my class, uh, the other college students, and I, I was telling them, I was like, look, this is what the book says, but I'm going to tell you right now, I'm running a marketing business, and this is not how the real world works. I've never used these terms that they're teaching, which is most of what college does is they teach you terms. <laughs> yep. They don't teach you application. Right. And I was like, my clients would not know what this meant if I talked to them about this. And so like, this is not what they're asking for. And so when you go and market for clients, this is not what you need to do for them, even though this is what the class is teaching you. Right. <laughs> so it's it's amazing that the cost has gone up so much when the the value has continued to just uh, get more and more outdated. Yeah. So and as a capitalist and a good business person, that just doesn't make sense to me anymore. None at all. None at all. Um, so yeah, I mean, y'all use this opportunity to plug uh, doing online education instead of going to a big ivory institution that doesn't know what it's doing. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, things like what you talked about that you'll be doing, it yeah. that makes a lot of sense these days. Yeah, I'm hoping, by the way, that she's referring to me doing an online web development school and uh, just helping people get started, learn to, to build and to market themselves and to start an agency, build a portfolio and get going on a business. So yeah hopefully people will receive that well um and it will be a lot less expensive than going to college or even those coding boot camps that are a waste of money because they're so overpriced <laughs> well i think the real value even uh beyond just the price of things the real value in that is that like i mean you running the classes and whatnot you'll be able to be a lot more flexible than some accredited like schools professor that has to meet all of the regulations and whatnot and learn from a book and has to teach out of the book and things like that it's the flexibility and the ability to also like many professors if they've got a full like course or yeah course load or whatever they're teaching all these classes they don't have time to research what's new and upcoming more often than not and so they can't keep up on it all yeah, absolutely. And and I'll be, you know, just teaching from my experience all the things that I spent hours and hours and hours learning the hard way. I will impart that wisdom on my students so that they don't have to waste all that time. <laughs> and that's what's important in business. That's what I search for in my mentors and like anybody I bring into my circle and things that I try and help people with too. Is I think I mean, one, what's really valuable in business is experience, but right. two, like other people have been there and done that and made those mistakes. And if like I can avoid making those mistakes by asking somebody else who's made the mistake, like, what do I do to not make that mistake? You know, that's wonderful. And then if I have made mistakes, like I try and turn around and tell people like, don't do this because that was terrible. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of, so um, mentors, do you have some? looking for more what's uh what's your situation with that right now um so definitely looking to widen my circle and find some more mentors i've loved uh so far the the one mentor that i worked with at the entrepreneur center very very helpful uh, i really feel like i mean just general networking is valuable but my god the amount of books that i own 
it's just insane. Uh, I go to here in Nashville, McKay's used books, and just buy yep. all the business books. Awesome. Um, <laughs> I think there's a lot of value in that. Uh, the one so book, much. yeah, I, I recommend always to everybody, and like any of my friends who will come to me and they're like, I want to start a business. The one book I always recommend above all else for entrepreneurs is The E Myth by Michael Gerber. Yeah. Uh, really valuable, just great all around. It works for most people starting businesses. There's just a lot of good value in what they, uh, what he's taught in that book. But also beyond that, if people are looking for coaching, I would recommend um, the Emiths coaches. Uh, they oh, do wow. have yeah actual coaches, and it's emith.com. There's coaching on there. I did work with one for uh, about I don't know about six months or so, and it was valuable because basically. They go a little in, more in depth. They, I mean, they're there to help you vent and get through like some of the hard times, which I had quite a few of. Uh, but most entrepreneurs do. <laughs> I had some unique situations where even like uh, my coach was like, "I don't even know what to do with this," and that happens. But uh, they give you basically these systems. They give you like you know kind of worksheets to fill out and make you really build out your systems, which is great. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think, you know, you can get a better business education if you're, you know, looking to study it um, before you dive in through books you can get at a bookstore, you know, a used bookstore, Amazon, wherever. There are so many books that you can get for 10 bucks yeah. each that are way more valuable than the $300 textbook that they'll require that you buy yeah. at an institution. Seriously. So, I mean, there's, there's just so many. What... You've plugged the e-myth a couple of times. Is the, What's the most recent um, business book that you've read that was just amazing? Um, shoot, I, I would say it was probably Walk Away Wealthy. Uh, it was a real quick read I read on a plane uh, on the way for a business trip, and I really enjoyed it. it it's kind of eye-opening, and it basically tells you to think about the end goal. And the end goal, it just it really makes it an important feature in the business because if you don't have an idea of where the business is going you're not going to get there <laughs> totally totally um speaking of that so how have you developed and evolved whiskey ink and lace as you've gone you're you know running this business that you started this brand new industry you're doing this by yourself right i mean yeah i don't have any co-founders or anything like that yeah so I mean that's that's a lot, uh, a lot on on your shoulders, a lot of workload. How have you managed and going through that process? Uh, it's been, God, I can't talk about systems enough because that's been it. And like, it's not that they're built out. We are still in the middle of building most of them, but with Whiskey and Lace and all my other brands, I'm basically creating one system to replicate over and over so that we are a manufacturing business. We have multiple product lines and brands that still act on the same systems and they work. It works that way. We can build out new product lines and brands on the old systems um, over and over again effectively. Um, but uh, So it's that's been really helpful and effective. But creating the uh, long-term goals and actually I think the biggest thing is I went from my first two years where I was all reactive and it was 100% about throwing things up and watching and seeing if they stuck, you know, and that's how most people do it. And the uh, past two years, so like after two years of like explosive growth, I suddenly like realized like most businesses, if 
you know, you're going to either fail because you don't have sales or you're going to fail because you got too much going on. And I, I really got to that point where I was like, we're doing really well. I'm on to something here. I was like, we got to take a step back and figure out what we're doing. So all of last year, we had no focus on sales and marketing. It just happened naturally because the business was just reciprocating what we, we, all of our customers are coming back, word of mouth, it was growing. I found out what our baseline was for if we did very little with marketing and whatnot, uh, like how much we made in revenue, which is a beautiful number to know, like, that's it. That is the bottom. Um, yeah. And it was still, it was good growth. It was still fine. It was what most businesses would love to have. Um, but after that, I learned how to produce to scale. I spent just a year of working on our systems and our production, and uh, this year we're learning how to scale our marketing and sales because we learned like where the bottom was, and now we're like, all right, let's manipulate it and figure out like all of our A and B testing, all of our our different marketing plans. We're putting in strategies. Everything's going to be planned, reported, and we're going to track everything because it, success doesn't happen by accident. No, it does not. Um, and I think a lot of people underestimate the value of tracking things, uh, data, analytics. I mean, people have started, you know, even people who have no idea what they're talking about have started throwing around those words, but I still feel like a lot of the people that um, I hear talking about it don't really know um, <laughs> what, the, what that could really mean. You're um, painfully like, on point because like I actually talked to somebody from the EC so I should be careful but somebody yeah. told me like <laughs> right uh, but like that they were doing Facebook advertising for clients like they mm -hmm. were you know uh, doing somebody else's advertising for them and I was like oh so like talking about the the Facebook pixel and like yeah. a new update there was about that or something and yeah. they told me uh, oh we don't we don't use the Facebook pixel because tracking these things isn't really valuable to us and the clients and I was like what, what? <laughs> like, that's not true that's never true what? your entire business is built on <laughs> running ads and knowing the demographics of right. the audience and their behavior and you don't track any of it but you'd be surprised yeah, like most yeah. people don't and like and then businesses will gladly pay for somebody else to do something and then not not track it it's like, insane and like, I can't even wrap my head around people with how much we can track today through Facebook pixels and Google yeah. analytics and everything yeah. that some of that idea should be now that we know we have all these analytics for, and we can watch results and things like that. Mm -hmm. Why is that not translating to print advertising? I think, I think it should. Ooh, um, yeah. uh, I was listening to a book about opening a coffee shop and it was like marketing tactics for a coffee shop and whatnot. Sure. And uh, he, the guy was like, he was a marketing person who was basically giving tips to coffee shop owners having never run a coffee shop. So it was a very interesting <laughs> book. I was like, yeah. oh, I don't know. But yeah. um, he was like, you guys need to not do print advertising. He was like, I see coffee shops all the time doing print advertising. And if you're going to do print advertising, that's fine. But have some way to track it. Give them a coupon code and say, you know, mention you saw this ad in the whatever it is. Because you have to otherwise you're just throwing money out the window and you have no idea like how much this $500 ad just gave you and whether you should continue right. with it absolutely I mean it's um, it's amazing pe that people will just keep throwing money at stuff without diving into it to be smart about their money spend right and just makes sense yeah that's but that that's part of the, a shift you know we're gonna see more and more um, data-driven people, uh, especially in marketing, um, growth hackers. I mm -hmm. like to consider myself one. <laughs> um, and 
just th there's going to be a whole lot more of that and those people kind of guiding more and more of the companies more and more startups um, yeah. it, it's definitely a trend in some of the bigger more well-funded spaces like the you know san francisco the silicon valley area they're not going to fund a company that doesn't have data and right. runs their analytics through a lot of tests um, there's so much out there it's terrifying yeah. Like, uh, just going through Facebook advertising, like, this week, I realized, why are we not using targeted ads targeting people who've recently mm -hmm. bought men's grooming products? Because Facebook has that info, which is so yes. scary. Oh, but totally. I, I can target somebody who has recently purchased men's grooming products, which means they're so much more likely to buy our men's grooming products. Yeah. Um, and then today we dove back into, we'll check our Facebook insights every once in a while, because we want to market to people... Um, we, we want to see what other companies similar to ours are marketing, like their marketing tactics. So we want to see what our customers also like and then see what those businesses are doing to market and reach to them because yeah. it, obviously if it's effective over here, we can also uh, do that instead of looking at our competitors because that doesn't necessarily mean, like if we're competing, competing together, doesn't necessarily mean it's innovative to copy what they're doing. But what other people are doing, like so say like Inked Magazine, a lot yeah. of our followers they also love inked magazine because we have whiskey ink and lace we do tattoo stuff and whatnot yeah. and so it makes sense to i mean maybe even like partner with them or put our advertising with them or something like that but oh. like the amount of insights facebook has like i could see like the top celebrities that all of our customers follow and stuff and that's always interesting yeah. and you know <laughs> facebook's got so much information on everybody like why are we not using it yeah definitely so while we're talking about social media stuff a lot too um what value do you see in social media for a business? Um, it's how we started. Um, oh, we wouldn't be here. Uh, like I mentioned, it's, it's kind of a funny like generation story, but mm -hmm. we are huge now, all in thanks to Google+. Um, and you'll never hear that again. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a one-time, happened once, and yep. anomaly because Google+, Plus is dead. Uh, yeah. But I, in marketing, I learned Google Plus was rising. I was one of those, like, jump on, check it out, uh, you know, see what it's up to. And then I would turn around and I was doing social media marketing for my clients. So I was, I, I got really good at it. And so I turned around to my clients. I was like, I will be your best Google Plus marketing person you'll ever be able to find. And that was true. Like, back in the very, very early stages, I had, like, in a blink of an eye, 6,500 some odd followers. Um, for just my personal account, and I forget how much for my other business account, and so we, we got really big on Google Plus for that was back when I was doing the marketing business. So when I started making soaps, which was kind of just the thing, like I was just making soaps. Um, I posted, I was making them for a copywriting gig. I was doing DIY, like Pinterest type blog articles for a marketing client just a little side project and I made some soaps out of like beer and stuff and it was fun and so I, I posted a picture on my Google Plus account I was like look what I made guys for a client it's cool right and one of my fans and followers who like liked my marketing stuff and whatever he was like can I buy that from you and I was like sure I'll take your money that's fine <laughs> <laughs> So throughout my e-commerce site, like I finally found like the one thing I was like, oh, I could I could sell soaps uh, e-commerce. Like this is the thing I should do the e-commerce thing with, and so yeah. dove into it. And then like shortly after, it was all the techie nerdy like early adopters on Google Plus, and like and we're still on there. We've got twenty five, twenty six thousand followers, and wow. I I love them. They're some of our top customers, and they're they're great guys. They're really 
they they'll give you your their input really quick. They're very they've got high engagement over there still, which is weird. I mean, I wouldn't recommend people yeah. to go dive into Google Plus, but well, uh, they're I'll... the ones that made me get into beard oil. So yeah, I will I will make a counter argument just for fun that. <laughs> If you are a business that feels overwhelmed, you're in a crowded marketplace, Google Plus could be the route that you go to get through the clutter, get That's through the true. noise. There's a little less saturation there. Everybody's on Facebook. And so mm -hmm. if you're just now getting to the Facebook game, you're late. Like, there's no getting around it, you're late. And you're either going to have to have so much better of a product or service, whatever it is that you're offering, than your competition that you cannot be ignored, or you're gonna have to try different routes. And Google Plus is one of those. Somehow, a the monolith that is Google <laughs> tried a social network and it didn't catch on. Um, but, and maybe they'll snap up a smaller social network. There's an opportunity there. I think there's still plenty of opportunity for disruption in the social networking space. Um, and especially with any p platform that manages to get people on it, using it as a advertising platform for smaller businesses that can't afford to compete with the giants of their industry on the established platforms. Mm -hmm. And the people you get on Google Plus are usually the people who don't like mainstream stuff. So if that's your thing and that's your market, which is kind of our our thing, totally. Whiskey and Lace is all about the people who are confident in their own uniqueness and they're a little against the mainstream, and that's yeah. what you get on Google Plus. That's awesome. Yeah, a bit counterculture, and that's and th though that's getting trendy. It's like the nonconformist, <laughs> right. you know, got trendy, and then everybody was conforming to nonconformist culture, and then, uh, but. Yeah, I think there's still opportunity there for anybody that wants to try it, especially if, like you said, that that is their target audience. Yeah. So what is, uh, what's the next steps for Whiskey Ink and Lace? What's, what are y'all cooking up now? Uh, right now we're actually focusing on something that, you know, I'm tr to just today I had to sit down with my marketing team and we're cooking up something a little different. We got into this in the e-commerce scheme. Like I was in the middle of nowhere. Like I can't even tell you how middle of nowhere I was in North Carolina when I started this business. So like a local scene was not important to me. Like finding a global audience for our e-commerce and marketing was what was important to me. And I mean that's the way of most e-commerce these days. And it's it's what's happened. We have 200 plus stores around the world that carry us. We ship to the UK and Australia and Canada just daily. Uh, wow. But. We're kind of shifting focus right now, and we want to cater to our local markets, which happens to be Nashville and Seattle, Washington for us. Um, cool. We're still there as well, and we're going to be a little more active and vocal in our local markets because I think the global platform is getting a little worn out and saturated, and so we're going to to just kind of focus on growing as as being just part of the market and be, having a presence instead of being this e-commerce monolith or whatever i mean we're not big enough to be a monolith but just this e-commerce uh ghost that is just there for people to buy like we want people to be able to be a part of the experience in some other way that's more local and close to them as well very cool um so yeah i mean local community engagement is you know at least here in nashville is getting quite popular um and you know people lever trying to leverage at least the predators um, right. but <laughs> so
So with with a brand like this that already has the global reach, um, are you looking for like partnerships with with other local companies, or, or what's what's going to be kind of the the focus of the digging into the the roots here? We are. We're going to play um, a little around that idea right now. Uh, we mostly just want to. Right now, part of it with Nashville is growing our presence in general because we did just uh, expand here from Seattle. Yeah. So we're kind of the new kids on the block and trying to just tell people that we're here. Uh, we do have a little insider party I'll kind of throw out there. It's kind of a if you know, you know kind of party uh, coming up where we're going to just meet people locally that we want to be involved with uh we've got the local beard club that'll be there and stuff and so we're hoping to get to know them and you know we'll have some whiskey there so it'll be fun oh dope (laughs) uh i know that i'm looking forward to it that's really the only reason that i did this podcast with you right just for the the whiskey whiskey. at the party (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so um yeah very cool i think you know and hosting events like that too is one great way to get uh, get your name on the map for sure i guess um w- along with that question i'll just do a quick plug for future business uh, it's something i'm trying not to think too much about right now because i'm a little frustrated with uh the city's codes department uh, trying to the government. <laughs> right, get my stuff in um but we are actually looking to expand from men's grooming products into having a barber shop at our location. Um, that would be awesome. It's it's a unique situation. Usually, barber shops jump into the men's grooming products world, and it's the other way around. Right. Uh, but we're looking to do something completely different. Uh, it's not going to be barber shop per se. It's going to be like the next level. It's going to be the Disneyland of barber shops. It's going to be an experience where when you come in, you are part of the whiskey ink and lace experience. We're going to use it as just a very interactive demo of our product basically, but also not even that, but it's going to be a showroom for our vision is the best way I can kind of word it for like business people is we're going to create and it's going to be like speakeasy style really chill really cool but everything every aspect about it is going to be what we want customers to feel when they use our products Uh, and we're we're getting into you know detailed offerings and complimentary services and the whole barbershop experience but it's it's going to be really cool yeah I think you know the experience economy if I can coin that phrase, I will. I don't know if anybody's used it yet. Yeah, but I haven't heard it, but that's that's a thing. I think that that is the next huge thing, um, where you know automation is taking a lot of jobs, and it's going that's going to accelerate a whole lot. Um, so, the one thing that humans can do way better than a robot is provide a human experience. Right. And um, so I think that there's going to be a lot more business based on providing a good human experience um, and and I think your idea is brilliant I think it's going to be a huge hit um, it's similar to um, this place that advertised to me on Facebook I am sure or Instagram wanted to um, owned by the same company so it doesn't matter but Alton Lane um, and I like scheduled a, a fitting is for um, men's suits and shirts and they had it was just it was a whole experience like I went in they got they took my body scan and I had a drink and we talked about the the style that I like and it was great um, and that is like a company selling its brand as an experience and, and I think 
I, that's important. It's making people feel, I mean, confident or cared for or, yes. you know, if, if your product, like the suits, is there to make you feel handsome and confident and ready to go to your job interview or whatever, uh, right. giving an experience that encompasses that idea will make you so much more confident about doing the, buying the suit and feeling confident in it later on. Absolutely. And in your case, have, having a good cut, a good haircut, good beard cut, they're right. going to feel so much better and more confident. And that confidence thing is key. Like, for any person, any industry, if you have more confidence, you're going to do better. Totally. And so whatever it takes to get you there, fake it till you make it, get a sweet haircut till you make it, whatever that <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> form takes. Um, yeah, people need, need that. So that's awesome. Um, I love it. I think we have covered a lot um, I honestly, I, I don't, oh, I do have one, one question, um, for you before we wrap. And then it, I think six months to a year from now, when we check back in, you've got so much stuff going on. There's going to be so much evolution. It's going to be really exciting to, <laughs> well, I like to five about. new brands. You know? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, what is one trend you see coming in the next, and maybe we already answered it, but in the next six months, or a year, two years, that most people don't see? Oh, trends coming. Um, there are a few things. Well, so some of them I can't play my hand too much with, but sure. it's, I wouldn't say people don't see them coming. It's one of those things that everybody sees, and when it happens, it's going to be totally passe. Yeah. But, like, it's, it's going to happen, and we kind of need to accept it. And I think it's going to be the tech revolution of everything, and just the the automated tech revolution of everything. And like we talked about, everyone knows it's coming. But yeah. I think that people are going to be using their phones to be ordering and scheduling and planning and getting everything soon. And that's kind of one thing that I'm kind of working towards. Uh, it's a business that <laughs> I haven't even mentioned in another side business. But uh, I won't get into that. But I think yeah. soon people will be a lot more reliant on their mobile tech for experiences. So, I mean, tying a couple things together here, I yeah. think experiences are definitely going to, there's going to be a rise in those. There was a huge rise in it this past year. We saw retail sales uh, go down in exchange for experience yeah. sales go up for the holidays. It was a big trend um, and a shift. And uh, that's kind of why we're getting into the barbershop a little is we're going to see that coming. But tying tech hand in hand with experiences that people are not seeing as much tech in right now is going to be really important. And there are certain businesses like restaurants and coffee shops and things that are still not utilizing it as much that I think we'll soon find that it's going to be incredibly necessary. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that that is going to be all for today. Uh, thank you so much, Andy. I think people are going to get a ton out of this. This is incredible stuff. They're going to be super pumped, A, to come well, buy your products, then come have the experience with your products. But also, they learned a lot about you know starting a business and running a business and all of the stuff that goes into that and how much you think about it all the time and how much work you put in will hopefully inspire them. Hopefully. Definitely. Thank you so much. Uh, everybody be sure to check out Whiskey, Ink, and Lace online. Buy all of their products, even if you don't need them. <laughs> um, and give them away to, to people. Uh, 
and um, and obviously uh, check back when we re-interview uh, and see the amazing progress that they've made. Yeah, and thanks, Johnny. Absolutely.